Maybe you've had a broken relationship out there, maybe with your parents, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your children. Find out what the Bible has to say about broken relationships on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Welcome everyone to Inverse. We are in the midst of a study on the topic of unity. And we've looked at the theology of unity, the theory of unity, the practical effects of unity, unity in worship, unity in the church, unity, 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 unity. And this episode, we're taking a little bit of practical approach on broken relationships. And mm. unity, the principles of the Bible and Holy Spirit, it should affect in real time every relationship that we have. Should it not? Amen. Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. So we're going to take uh, about 28 minutes to talk about that. We're going to have a word of prayer and we'll get into the Bible study. So Sebastian, can you pray for us? Yes. Father in heaven, Lord, there is not one listener or one individual here that hasn't experienced a broken relationship. Mm. And yet, Lord, we know that there is power in Christ to heal. And so we pray, Lord, that you'll help that power to guide us, to bring those principles forth from Scripture, to touch some life and to lead to healing in some broken relationship is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Cal, can you read for us Romans chapter 5, verse 10? Yes. Romans 5, verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Yeah, that's a, it's a powerful verse. Yes. Jared, I'll give you an opportunity to talk about the key text a little bit. Yeah. I'll give you a microphone, open mic on it. When, um, when Callie read this, I was just thinking about the dissonance that took place in the Garden of mm. Eden, mm. where man sinned, uh, God comes into the Garden seeking really reconciliation. Adam, where are you? Yeah. And he and Eve mm. took off and they hid. God has always wanted this reconciliation, and it's pursuing this reconciliation with man that led him to uh, uh, build a sanctuary, right? Mm -hmm. Told Moses, mm -hmm. let them build me a, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them to restore mm -hmm. that unity, the harmony in the relationship. Ultimately, Jesus comes, dies on a cross, demonstrates God's, um, the depth of his love for humanity in an attempt to among other things, reconcile us, that we see his love, that we respond, that we're heartbroken, that we surrender our lives to him, that we confess our sins, we experience his cleansing, and we're brought together in unity of relationship with him again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Beautiful, uh, Jared. I, I, maybe you can back up, back up in there in that passage, mm -hmm. Romans chapter 5. Uh, I just love this. There's repetition in Paul. Yeah, mm -hmm. You haven't noticed by now, Paul, Paul has a tendency to do that. And in verse 6, it's when we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. In verse 8, uh, while we were still sinners, mm -hmm. Christ died for us. And in verse 10, while we were still, where, if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through mm -hmm. the death of His Son. You, you see this intensifying going on? Yes. We were weak, we were sinners, and now we're enemies. Mm -hmm. and it could be three categories. I don't, I don't know if we can go that way, but just... You know, there's a lot of relationships that we have, and sometimes people are weaker than us. Some people, people have violated us, or some people, they're just straight up our enemies. They are our <laughs> rivals in high school, and we are not going to hang out with them, you, you know. Okay? And I, I got some, some post-trauma post, post -trauma emotions still going on. Understood. Out. And, um, but Christ, I think, I think Christ helps us with that. What you're, what you're bringing forward, Justin, is the fact that Jesus didn't die for friends, mm. right? God did not come down 
to sacrifice himself and that which was most precious in the universe for someone who was already on his side, mm-hmm. right? He did it for someone who was his enemies. Mm-hmm. And to me, that lets us know that whenever I feel in my personal life like I'm working against the purposes of God, yeah. when I feel like, man, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died. Like, yeah. while I was an enemy, he sent his only son. So how much more now when I love him and I'm trying to surrender to his will and I'm trying to follow him, it gives me the encouragement to get back up in my failures yeah. and to say, look, Jesus died for me when I was an enemy, yeah. when I was working against the purposes of God. Yeah. And I think that's critical to our discussion on broken relationships is how God approaches that. Yeah. He's willing to keep going and keep fighting through that. And I really appreciated your your, your comment and also your prayer, uh, Sebastian. I mean... To be real, and a disclaimer to all you guys watching out there, I mean, the four people on this panel and the two people that are not on this panel and probably every person behind the camera and the production studio and whatnot, we all have broken, some broken relationship of one sort, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's our fault or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are not here to to pontificate on how to make it better. We are here on a co-journey to see how we can mend these relationships together, especially as Christians, especially Mm -hmm. as those who purport to serve the Lord Jesus. uh, We want every relationship to be perfect and uh, perfect in Christ. Uh, That's right. By, by his That's grace. Right. So let's let's go to a story here. Sebastian, you got a, an example of a broken relationship. Yes, if we go to Acts chapter 15. Acts um, 15. I love Paul, and we're going to start in verse 36. We Acts 15. Acts chapter 15, All verses right. 36. Um, and we'll probably just read up to 39. Okay, 36. Okay, Acts 15, you just think of the Jerusalem Council that we've talked about a million times. Uh, <laughs> but that's after the Jerusalem Council. Yeah, after the Jerusalem All right. Council. <laughs> So it says here, verse 36, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So this is a visit of encouragement. Mm -hmm. Verse 37, Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Verse 38, But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, verse 40. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. To me, you, you, you recognize that this particular relationship is huge to see these guys separate. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about two men who the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, mm-hmm. for the work that I called them to do. They're mm-hmm. both called to go to the Gentiles. You're talking about Barnabas, who was the first one to extend that right hand to fellowship and say, guys, I know you're afraid of Paul. You may not even be confident in his conversion, but I'm going to vouch for him. Mm-hmm. Right? You're, you're dealing with guys who have been through That's thick right. and thin. And I love that verse that says a brother is born for adversity. And yet here we're finding the sharp disagreement between these two powerhouses of God just disagreeing. Top leaders of the church. And experiencing a broken relation. Like, look, I'm a part ways and so sharp we can't even go forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and to me, this lets you know that they were still united in the mission. Mm -hmm. There was no question of going back and encouraging the churches. Mm -hmm. Right. There was no question of going back and saying, let's bring someone. Don't go by yourself and go there to preach, to see how they're doing and to encourage them. That did not change. Yeah. These two, it seems very interesting. Barnabas is the one that gave Paul a chance. In, in a way, Pauline is a Barnabarian. He's a follower yes. of Barnabas. And <laughs> here they're working together and then they can't get along. Is this an interpersonal personality clash? Is this they they hate their each other's guts? or No, uh, this, we, is, this is a d- difference 
of, of opinion based on principle. I would say irreconcilable within the ministry. Within the ministry. Within the this ministry. Isn't ex- yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, they're both intent on doing ministry, but they're there are these. This personnel is, you know, one of the maybe maybe one of the first personnel issues. Yeah, right. Yeah. HR <laughs> problem. Yeah, right. They didn't have they didn't have an HR agency or whatever to come and help sort yeah, it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, They had to deal deal, you know, with themselves. And mm-hmm. what do they do with this guy who jumped mm-hmm. shit before, who abandoned them? Mm-hmm. We're gonna give him a second chance or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they could not come to a conclusion, so they decided to part. And mm-hmm. it tells us that you don't always have to have a warm, fuzzy, perfect everybody's you know, on the same page, and we're all happy. Singing kumbaya. I, I, I mean, I can't imagine that they left with anger in their hearts. If they, if they were cherishing resentment towards their brother, God would not have blessed them. Sure, right. right. That's that's not the right spirit to be in. Mm, so they can they can agree to disagree. They can say, you know, we're on the same page as far as the mission of the church. God bless you. May God prosper you, even though I don't agree with you, mm. and move forward. And God did bless. So what happens to this relationship, and, and how did they mend this relationship? What's going on here? Well, I think you, you eventually come back to the fact that Paul is writing to his disciple Timothy, mm. and he essentially tells him, he's like, listen, you know what? There was a time where Mark, John Mark, was someone that Paul was like, no, absolutely not. And then Paul comes full circle and basically concedes that Mark is useful for me, mm-hmm. right? So here you see a, a, a huge progression in their relationship that it was never this broken relationship not only between Paul and Barnabas, but between Mark and Paul. Mm-hmm. It's like, you hurt me. You disappointed me. And it's like, I don't know if I can trust you in the ministry, bro. Like, I don't know if I want you to come with me because right. I don't believe you're going to have my back. Mm-hmm. And that broken relationship was something that eventually God restored, and Paul changed his attitude towards that. That's well, let right. me interject. Let me just go to first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says, this is 2 Timothy, one of the last letters of Paul about, uh, he's about to, he's writing this before he's about to, to pass. And verse 11, only Luke is with me, get Mark and bring him with you for he is useful to me for ministry. So in this process, whether it's time, whether it's the Holy Spirit, a combination of the Spirit and time, that he's learned to build up this trust and the two have been healed in this relationship. And what a testimony to, to Paul's humility, mm-hmm. right? That he didn't, he didn't just stick stubbornly to his, his opinion. And I think this is a critical piece that prevents broken relationships from being restored is that we can't get past one situation in a person's life. It's like if someone hurts me and disappoints me, I can't let that define the person for myself. If I just keep harping on the fact like you did this, you did it's like, yes, man, I did it. I did make a mistake at one point in time. And at some at, at, at some juncture, you have to allow the person to be more than just that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And Paul has shown that in the best and most, you know, profound Christian, you know, genuineness by writing that to Timothy and say, mm-hmm. don't just tell Mark that we're good, bring him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's useful for me. Kelly? I think you said, you know, how it probably took time and the spirit, but I would just really emphasize the spirit mm. because naturally we are people that holds on to hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hold on to things that, and I just, like as Sebastian's talking, I'm like, there's actually people in my mind that I need to let go of certain things <laughs> because I've defined them sure. by bad encounters, but it is only the Holy Spirit that can change us because that naturally doesn't come to us. Sure, sure. Mm. This uh, let me just—I uh, I totally agree with—and and the spirit takes precedence. There, yeah. there are also times where time is just just needed. No, uh, I agree. For, yeah, yeah. For, yeah, one one side of the uh, party, one side of the relationship, and 
for whatever mm-hmm. the, the, the the phrase time heals. I mean, it's yeah. mm. it's cliche, I but think, it, I just it, think it like some sometimes power. time, like as far as like both, because time. I know it was just me, and it could be just me, but sometimes time can actually entrench us in our bitterness because we have more absolutely. time to harp on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, is, it is just both. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Time sure. time doesn't clean the dishes in your sink, right? Yeah. I have <laughs> some at home right now, and I've been giving them time, but they're not getting any cleaner. Well, the cockroaches will come soon, and they'll clean it for you. Yeah. No, but seriously, it's what we do with the time and in the case of of paul there was some some resolution there with john mark but in some cases resolution doesn't always come because we're talking about two different people and obviously you know he he proved his faithfulness in ministry and paul extended grace to him great but that doesn't always happen because relationships are a two-way street Sure. Mm. sure oh wow and what what a difficulty to think about that yeah we're going to go into the, the passage of Philemon. After the break, we're going to get into one of the shortest letters of the New Testament. Stick around after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back, friends. We're going to go to the letter of Philemon, the shortest letter of the New Testament. And if you're there, you want to look it up and uh, read with us. It's right after 2 Timothy. It's right after 2 Timothy. I, or it's right after Titus. But okay. I need you, help with that sometimes, so I'm just trying to, lied. I'm trying to help. Um, it was after <laughs> Titus. Which is only like a page long. Okay, anyways, go ahead. Mm. Sorry. All right, let's read. And Kelly, why don't you read uh, Philemon <laughs> verse 1 for us? Okay. No chapters there. <laughs> Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. All right, we'll stop there. And we see that Paul is the writer here, and he's writing to Philemon, just setting up the two characters. Mm -hmm. You can skip down through to verse 8, please. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. All right, we'll stop there. And then we have the third party here. We have Onesimus. Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave <laughs> of Philemon. He had. We don't know exactly what happened, but he had stolen something. We see that reference later on, being, pay, being paying back, paying yes. Philemon back. Mm-hmm. And he had run away, and he had gone and met Paul became converted, and now Paul sends Onesimus back with writing this letter. And this is very, very powerful. All the other New Testament letters, they have, you know, deep theology and heaven and earth being connected and Christ coming down and the Christology in here. But here you just have a practical letter. Mm-hmm. It's got an email attachment where here Paul is saying, hey, you know, Philemon, you and I are buds, right? Remember how? And you owe me some stuff, and I'm calling you a favor now. And he, you know there's Onesimus, and he did you wrong, forgive him, and then use me as a, uh, as, what you, uh, as like a, a buffer, um, not of. a buffer, but uh, as credit, uh, ref- as a credit, credit reference, credit. Mm. you know, and, and, and use my name. Cal? No, oh, no, I thought you were going to say something. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, well, I, I, Sebastian. Think, <laughs> I think that the, this is actually one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. Yes. Really? Um, simply because. too. <laughs> simply because. The idea of Onesimus returning back 400 miles from yeah. Rome, yeah. right, with this letter from Paul to a person that you wronged, yeah. like, 
when I think about the letter of Philemon, like I've had to deal with issues in my past. And it's like going back to someone and saying like the only thing you have is this letter in your hand, which for us, it's not the letter of, you know, Philemon or the letter of Paul, but it's the blood of Jesus, right? And yes. recognizing that we haven't just wronged individuals, right? But I had to go back to God and to recognize that what can you say as Onesimus? Mm -hmm. I made a mistake, man. I'm sorry, et cetera, et cetera. So those broken relationships, sometimes, Lord, you know, sometimes we have to be the person in the wrong that has to go back. Mm -hmm. And we may not know for Onesimus, he could just be restored back to service in Philemon mm -hmm. and say, look, you owe me years of service, right? You left, you stole, I paid for you, I provided for you, and you just bounced. You owe me years of service. So his freedom now, he could lose mm -hmm. for the sake of reconciliation and saying, I have to go back and do the right thing. Yeah. And to me, that's just powerful principle. Exactly. Um, to yeah. say, look, don't just think, well, now I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter that I used to gangbang or that I shot this person or I used to deal drugs. It's like going back to make it right. Mm -hmm. And the potential implications of going back and making it right is huge. So we play these mind games, you know, or like I'm the one that was wrong. So and we put we put order, you know. Or, or we put conditions, unless this person does this and there's, because this person, he must do it first or she must do it first or she must do it second. But you're just saying, hey, regardless of that stuff, be the proactive person to Absolutely. make things right. Yeah, I mean, there's, there, you have these three parties and just in my mind, I see that you have, you have Philemon, who's the one that's been wronged and you have Onesimus, that's the one that's, who did the wrong. Mm -hmm. And you have Paul right in the middle, who's interceding in between. Mm -hmm. And that's just the awesome, awesome object lesson. You have God here, mm. we're in the wrong, and Jesus is, is interceding in between. That's yeah. right. That's uh, right. You can also flip the parties around. You can have uh, myself here as Paul, someone who's wronged me, and then us playing the part, or, some, you know, or another, another person playing the part and interceding on behalf of our relationships around us. Yes. Just a wonderful uh, object lesson on, on reconciliation there. Mm, absolutely. Kelly? I, um, you know, I love, too, that Philemon probably had the opportunity to doubt. No, we don't know what happens, right? But he could have doubted the sincerity. Like maybe, like, maybe he pulled it over Paul's eyes, but I know this guy. Like, mm. he's not actually being sincere. But that's not our job to, to judge, to judge. that. If people ask forgiveness, we, we forgive yeah. them. Um, in my classroom, my students will do things that will irritate me. So let's say they come in late or they're talking when I'm talking. And I just look at them. <laughs> and they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, Miss Williams. And I always say, I forgive you. Because I'm not going to say it's okay because it's not okay. Mm. Um, but That's I forgive so you. <laughs> well, it kind of gets to one of my seniors is like, yeah, man, it makes me think about everything I say when you do that. <laughs> mm. But I say I forgive you. And one of my sophomores the other day was like, man, Miss Williams, how do you forgive people so fast? But it's like, and I just said, it's like, because Jesus forgave me. And it's, you know, there's my little teacher quips. Yeah. But it's true, is we can only truly forgive someone so freely and so quickly over, you know, someone talking when I'm talking or someone stealing things from me, only in the context of Jesus' forgiveness and his love for us. Mm -hmm. But I think part of true forgiveness is, I guess, realizing like what Onesimus or Onesimus, and I'm like self-conscious saying his name, but Onesimus, like, Either way, we'll got you. <laughs> he did things that were wrong and he had to acknowledge that. So Paul wasn't saying like, oh yeah, you're making a big deal out of nothing, like forget about it. He's saying he did something wrong, but I need you to forgive him. And the depth of forgiveness is only seen in the depth of the transgression. Mm -hmm. And, but we need to see both and we need to accept both mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just to uh, connect your story with uh, the verse here, mm -hmm. it says verse eight, therefore, though I mean, I might, I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, <laughs> yeah. yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. It's it's as if, you know, Jesus could command us 
Just say, hey, look. He has the right to. I'm the master. You're to just, just forgive and move on. But here, even Christ, who has the right to do so, doesn't play the Jesus MasterCard. <laughs> right. And say, MasterCard. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you I get it. And, and he says, hey, because I love you, yeah. mm. go out and, and be, be proactive on that point. And that, that just... Ugh. Yeah, and not only <laughs> oh, that, Justin, but sure. if you look at verse 21, Paul appealing to him, he says, Having confidence in your obedience, I write you, knowing that you will do even more, mm. as I say. Mm-hmm. I just find that so beautiful. And, and the picture of Jesus as he demonstrates his love, you know, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, yes. has forgiven yes. us. Right? Yes. So we have the a best responsibility yes. to forgive. And as Jesus has demonstrated his love to us, he says, I have confidence in you, right. that by my grace, you're going to do the right thing and go even go more. more above. And, 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 and when you even add so to nice. this, right, there's, there's uh, two pieces that also jump out to me when you mentioned, you know, in verse 19, he says, if, if he owes you anything, right, Paul says, I will repay. Mm-hmm. So the recognition of number one, there's things that we've done to people that we cannot repay. Mm-hmm. No other human being can repay. But Jesus tells us as the hurt party, I will repay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put that on my account. Yeah. Right. You can like you can, take Paul's name out and just put Christ's name. That's exactly I, Christ right. am willing with my own hand, mm-hmm. I will repay. Yeah. And, and to me, that's just huge to say, how do you overcome huge wrongs and disappointments in these broken relationships is accept that God is going to repay what you've lost and what's been robbed. Yeah. And then the other piece that, that Jared is dealing with is the confidence in your obedience, like you're going to do what I say, because the very next verse, he's like, Verse 22, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Mm-hmm. So here you're dealing with the fact that the coming of Paul to Philemon, it's like, how weird would that be that I wrote to you, sent Onesimus back? You're like, no, nah, I'm not trying to mm-hmm. hear that. And then Paul's <laughs> going to personally show up at your house and be like, so uh, what went down with you and, with you and Onesimus? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, nah, I, mean, I wasn't trying to do that. Like, think about the very fact that the, that the second coming of Jesus urges urgency in terms of reconciliation because mm. what are you going to do when Jesus comes back? Yeah. You're going to welcome him as a guest and he's like, I appeal to you to forgive this person. I could have commanded you, mm-hmm. but I'm appealing to you. And now to his face, what are you going to say? Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to respond to that? And so to me, the second coming also bids us the urgency of reconciliation. Yeah. Do not delay yeah. because when the Lord comes, at that point in time, it will be too late. And in the light of et- eternal life, I mean, broken relationships. Can you imagine, like, if I hate Callie and I don't want to see her face ever again, Absolutely. and we both go to heaven, and you we're in, we're, I'm in a, you know, golden <laughs> apartment buildings, and I'm in room 101, and she's in 102. Hey, Every morning, I open my apartment door and I pick up my golden newspaper, mm. and I see my neighbor as the <laughs> person weird for eternity. For eternity. Every time we go hey, to the golden supermarket, I'm going to avoid her. Every time we go to church, I'm going right, to avoid her. You're going to be her. worshiping, and Gabriel's That's like, oh, not going to be heaven. It's for not me. possible. Yeah. It's going to be hell for me. You won't be yeah. there. And so, yeah, and so yeah. as Jesus, out of his mercy, says, well, <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 that's yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Kelly, um, there's actually, but I love you. Yeah. Yeah, I love you, too. Yeah. <laughs> there's uh, just a very practical part of this, and I think it's uh, true for a lot of Christians. Can mm. I take us to another verse? We gotta... In Philemon? No. Oh, no. Go ahead. Can we go to Matthew 18? Matthew 18. There we go. <laughs> I think we've talked about it uh, kind of other um, episodes a little bit, but... Matthew 18? Yes, Matthew 18. So this is basically talking about, uh, what I want to talk about is the issue of gossip. Yep. And I think this is important because it is such a treasured sin of Christians. 
Um, you know, we don't drink, we don't sleep around, we don't sell drugs, but like we have pride and we talk badly about people. Come on, cause, preacher. Because they're good, they're good Christian sins. Lay it on us. So, <laughs> so Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17 says 15 this. 15 through 17, mm-hmm. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell everybody, sorry, go and tell him his fault <laughs> between you and him alone. Mm. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. I just want to pause there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we like skip to verse 17. We're like, well, he probably, he's probably going to refuse. So I'm just going to, mm-hmm. um, and this is such an important part of restoration and unity. And at the end of the day, what we have to make sure we want unity and restoration because we can say that like, oh yeah, so I'm mad at Justin. I'm like, yeah, Jared, I can't stand Justin. Like he is so irritating all the time. And like, I would talk to him, but he won't listen to me, you know, like, cause he's the worst. And so I can talk about how I want to be reconciled to you, but I really don't. I just want to talk about how frustrated I am with you. And I want to mm. recount to someone because if I wanted to be unified with you, I would go t- on my knees to Jesus and say, help me to be unified to him. I say, Hey, Justin, you said something that really hurt my feelings the other day, and I'm willing to be vulnerable right now to bring us back together. Mm. And, you know, we talk about, I know because I'm on the younger side of this team, um, people talk about like how teenagers issue with, have an issue with this, people in their 20s have issues with this, but people all the way until their grave have issues with this That's right. because they think they have the, like, oh, well, I'm old enough now that I can just talk about this. And... At the end of the day, I think gossip is one of the biggest reasons why we don't have restored relationships because we prove by the way we speak and by the way we harbor um, bitterness that we don't actually want that. Because one more thing, at the end of the day, (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, I'm very passionate about this, is conflict is inevitable. Um, but love and restoration is a choice that often requires sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But Jesus already did the big part. So we need to do our small part as well. Mm I mean, there's silence around this table. <laughs> I can just hear the silence out there listening, too. I mean, this, this is good stuff. Yeah, it's this serious stuff. stuff. It well, hurts, I think, I, but it's, it's true. And I think what, to Callie's point, is the, she kind of glossed over it, but the truth is we don't give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm. We do it's not. like I'm stepping in a situation. It's like you wronged me, and I'm hurt, and it's like, man... I don't think they're going to react in a Christian way. Mm-hmm. I'll assume they won't. I'll assume that, right? I'm not going to give you the benefit of the doubt because it's so easy to go to someone when I've been hurt and when I've been disappointed mm-hmm. and believe that they didn't mean to hurt me. Right. Like it was never Justin's intention. It was never Callie's intention. So if I think, oh, it was totally accidental, that's like my son, you know, taking his water cup and thinking it's funny, like, oh, Papa, check this out, and just splashes my suit, mm-hmm. right? Before I'm going out to church, you're like, why would you do that? And he's like, well, that wasn't his intention. Right. Yeah. Right? He was funny. just trying to be playful with his dad. Yeah. So therefore, I don't flip out on him and, you know, and give him the business. Yeah. And I think that's key that we, we don't put those negative motives on people. So it's been a very sobering discussion. Uh, hopefully you've been tracking with us the entire time. Maybe your thoughts are going to a broken relationship that you need to mend. We really encourage you to do it now. Uh, turn this video off or turn this off and makes, make amends. And start with prayer. That's going to be our reaction. Uh, we're going to follow biblical counsel. Mm-hmm. And the grace of God is going to help us with that. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag InverseBible. Until next time, this is Inverse.